When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi everybody, Ross at my Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. If you use channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell icon so you're made aware of any time I put new content on. Loads of great guests, loads of obviously great charity stuff coming up as well every Thursday in September. We're doing our game shows. Um, we are well on our way to 20k, hashtag that, um, which uh, I'm trying to get hashtags trending. It's not trending yet on the way to 20k, but um, we're well on the way. So make sure you check them and hit the bell icon so you know every time we go live um, because um, they're really, really good fun. And obviously it's a really good cause. Uh, today's guest, uh, lifelong fan. Um, we're just chatting beforehand. And he, he didn't have a bad first game we went to, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's Bill West. Hi, Bill. How you doing, man? Yeah, very well, thanks for us. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Not too shabby. Um, how have you been in sort of this weird world we live in now? Yeah, I mean, um, sort of trying to make the, the most of it, really. Um, you know, I moved into my flat just as lockdown was sort of uh, announced, really. So that was um, that was a bit of a strange one. Um, and then been on furlough for a few months. But, yeah. uh, you know, give me a chance to get used to my flat and stuff. So, um, and, you know, back at work now and then, you know, enjoying the football when it was on. And I've had to wait long until the, the, the new season. Um, oh, albeit okay. West Ham, I don't think I'm really looking forward to it this season. Oh, like, we'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we'll be all right eventually. We always seem to uh, get results out of nowhere. So, uh, yeah, we'll yeah, right. we'll be all right. I'm still quietly confident. I don't know why, but I still am. I just, I just think it's being a West Ham fan. You just, you just assume. You're used to it. Yeah, <laughs> you just get used to it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you just get used to it it's it's and i think it's it just is what it is you know it's we've we've never been any different really since i remember supporting us yeah you have sort of your peaks and your troughs um too many troughs not enough peaks but definitely <laughs> that's about being a west ham fan yeah, it, really yeah. i mean i mean you know, you know someone said to me the other day they wouldn't want us to win the premier league because they think we would change even more and i can sort of understand that a little yeah, bit I, Do you I know what i mean that. yeah 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 i get that to a certain extent yeah yeah, because it's like, you know, part of being a West Ham fan is, you know, fortune is always hiding. You know, if we had fortune, um, 
<laughs> we need to get a new song. Yeah, you know, the champions would be a nice song, but um, but, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Obviously, you know, we're recording this, and we got um, Newcastle on Saturday, and then we got Charlton in the cup on the Tuesday. So a couple of games to get us going before the uh, the juggernauts of the Premier League play. We play them all in the next seven games after that, but. Uh, We'll see what happens, mate. We'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. We just don't know. You know, they put West Ham yeah. players, you know, even overlooked, you know, since restart. You know, they just pull, pull games out of the hat, you know, like the Chelsea game and Norwich away. You know, we've never beaten Norwich away and, you know, put four past them. It's just such a West Ham thing. You know, we just don't know what's going to happen. But well, I, just hope, I just hope we get our like, bad form out of the way in pre-season because, you know, Avram Grant, when he took over in 2010, we had an unbeaten pre-season. Yeah. We finished bottom of the league, so it's not you know it's not the be all and end of preseason. But obviously, the Bournemouth game, especially defensively, we looked so out of sorts. And I just obviously yeah. hope we get it right. And, it, and, and it's horses for courses, isn't it? So like, obviously, came out of those two games that Tuesday, double or Tuesday, two for Tuesday games, and everyone's like, oh brilliant, that's it, we're fine. Pre-season, yeah, you know, we're looking well. And then the Bournemouth game, we lose. Oh, it's not about pre-season, though. It's not about the pre-season form. It's yeah. like, well, 90 minutes beforehand, we were like, that's it. We're all sorted. Nine oh, goals. Yeah. But what I like about us, and I've always liked since even restart, is we always seem to have a goal in us. Do you know what I mean? I remember, like, yeah, God, oh, like, some, like the Allardyce, a couple of times in Allardyce eras and, and Slav eras sometimes. We just didn't like scoring, but... We've always seemed to have a goal in us at the moment, which is which is really nice. Might be might be conceding the other end, but as long as we're scoring them, you know, it's at least we've got a chance of getting something in the game rather than uh, sort of punting it upfield or whatever and, and trying to trying to scrabble a goal. You know, I think it's um, I'm still quietly confident. Although Newcastle have just signed Wilson, and so he's bound to score against us on, on oh, Saturday. It's, it's already um, it's already um, bantering us already. He was really. I saw the interview <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and they're going to confirm Ryan Fraser tomorrow as well, I think. So, yeah, yeah that'd be fun. Ugh, I should have been all over that like a rash, shouldn't we, really? But hey-ho, hey-ho, we move on. Um, Bill, why are you a West Ham fan? I can see the shirt, but why are you a West Ham fan? <laughs> well, to be honest, it was quite a, an easy decision. You know, um, okay. you know my, dad, my dad was born in Stratford, grew up in Plasdo. Um, Mum was, you know, born in Stepney, you know, and, and eventually lived in Bethnal Green. So it was quite an easy decision. I was born in Whitechapel. Um, so, you know, not far from obviously West Ham. So, you know, it was quite an easy, easy decision. Um, and, you know, my, my granddads were, you know, both West Ham fans as well. So, um, and we went to a lot of games like in the sort of 60s and, and so on. So, um, yeah, it was quite an easy decision. And when I moved out to Essex, like a lot of, like a lot of people in the early 90s, um, I've just watched um, on, on TV a lot. Um, and, and, you know, the first game, first ever professional game I went to um, was the, the famous Bradford City game 5-4 in, in 2000 and from, from that point it was a quite an easy decision really yeah yeah I suppose you just had like that I, I always thought that game as being a microcosm of that era um, you know during that sort of red nap era we always had games like that but not to that extent it was like everything you had every facet of West Ham yeah. in that game and it was uh, no yeah it was a well Ain't a bad game to go to your first professional game. You must thought, fuck, that's it. You know, this, if, that's, if it's like this all the time, I'll be, I'll be lucky. But well, exactly. not. yeah, I mean, like, no matter what your first game is, it's always special. But let alone that game, that'll, that'll always stick in the memory for me. And also, 
not just the result, but you know what happened in the game. As you say, you know, Shaka has not breaking his leg early on. Um, you know, winning from four two down. Um, you know, you know, my mum and dad and my brother all sitting next to each other. And there was at one stage where it was like a deflected cross where we're sitting in the bottom or lower, and not fairly near the goal, and the ball ends up in my mum's lap. Um, you know, all, all little things like that. You know, Decano and Frank Lampard arguing over who's going to take the penalty. Um, you know, Decano wanted to be subbed, um, and you know, as I say, being four two down, and we win five four five minutes from the end. So just a, a crazy game, um, and just yeah. That went from there, and I bet my dad's are pre-season to get older for the following season, and uh, they obliged. Yeah, well, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Wasn't a bad time to get on board, really, was it? Because I mean, that whole era was just. I mean, it's always. I mean, I've always seen it as as the most exciting era for me, just because it was. It was like a soap opera. Every every game was like a soap opera. You had like. You know, yeah. I mean, the Canio, you had, you know, the young, you had these young sort of English stars coming through. You had an influx of foreign random talent. Um, you had like the old heads, like your monksies were still around. And yeah, here and, like well. and right and people yeah. like that. And it was just a great time. Really, you'd go to a game really excited because you just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, that's um, what it was. It was pre- predictably unpredictable. That yes. It was a good watch. And... As we've touched on earlier, you know, we we're always going to just try and outscore the opposition rather than rely on clean sheets and stuff. West Ham have never been that side ever. You know, maybe a little bit under Sam Allardyce, but apart from that, we've always been look, defensively not great. Let's see if we can outscore the opposition a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, I'd much rather have, rather have that philosophy rather than just holding on for one nil wins trying to nick a, a goal from a corner or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. Um... Oh, I was chatting to Nigel Khan and he, and he just said, "Look, we talk about you know we talk about these little five fours. I think we actually were talking about the Bradford game, and he said, you know, but it's it's fun, isn't it? Goals are fun, and yeah. you want to be entertained. You know, if you win if you win five if you win three two, is that that's better than winning one nil because you've just seen a lot more entertainment. And I totally agree yeah, with that, him. Yeah, that, no, definitely, I'm the same. If you're playing season ticket money, you're playing match mm. match." Prices. You, you want to be entertained. You want to see goals. You, you want to you want to cheer, not just grind out wins. It's good every now and then, but a whole season's worth. It's not, not particularly exciting for you to go to a game, is it? No, it's not exactly. I just, I just think it was a. You know, we've had obviously we had um we had Trevor on the other day, and we were talking to Trevor Sinclair about that about the game and about that era and uh, and you know, I mean some of the stories. You know, it's like compared to nowadays. You know, you hear. You know, to, I mean, we 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 recording this on Monday and obviously Monday night, and obviously all the story with Foden and uh, what's name Greenwood, you know, getting getting done. You know, it's like some of the stories Trev was telling us. It's like <laughs> it, it, this is child's play compared to what they were doing. You know, it's yeah. absolutely mental, but you know, it is what it is. But it's just um, just that whole era. You know, and even before that, you know. You, we've had people like Ian Bishop and people like that on here and they've told stories about, you know, the drinking culture and, and they'd go out yeah. and get pissed and then train. And it was just normal. And nowadays, you know, little, I know, I know it sort of beats, you know, COVID restrictions, but in sort of hindsight, it's a, you know, a couple of young lads trying to get a couple of birds back to their hotel. Basically that's what they're trying to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot worse stories. Trevor Sinclair and Ian Bishop told and monks. Yeah. So, we you think of the amount of players that just wouldn't have a career now if yeah. you know if if they played now you look you know obviously the players you've mentioned and you think of you know Frank McAvenny um you know even 
other teams like Arsenal, they had that famous Tuesday club, Paul Merson. He certainly wouldn't have a career now with all the yeah. what he got up to. So, yeah, I think it just um, reflected that that era. And then now it's obviously more professional, more fitness-based yeah. um, sports science era, which yeah, totally. is, good. is good in a way, but, you know, it takes a, a little bit, takes away the character of, of some people. Definitely. Well. I totally agree. And also it just takes away the romance of, of being a football player and, you know, and... I mean, you know, you, you sort of started going to when sort of the early early two thousands, and that was still you know an era where footballers weren't untouchable. Do you know what I mean? They're almost yeah. like untouchable now. You know, they they all have, and I've said oh, yeah. it before, they always have penthouse these penthouse apartments in Canary Wharf, and you know, and it's like you don't see them popping out to the co op for a pint of milk. No, you used to. You used to see yeah. Shaka. You know, I used to serve Shaka at Safeways <laughs> in Loughton. You know what I mean? It's like and Samasi Abu and. You know, I I had I bumped into Paul Kitson buying pick a mix in Woolworths and you know stuff like that, and you can just Whoa. still got these stories which you tell, and it's like I I don't have I haven't got the I don't believe I'm going to ha- ever be able to tell a story of me walking into a Burger King and Sebastian Haller's ordering a Whopper. Do you know what I mean in front of me? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's changed and it's so, and that's a re- that really sort of depresses me, but. It, and I think that's why we as fans don't connect with players as much as we used to. You oh, know, someone like, yeah. I don't know, Chaka, for example. Chaka's a good example. You know, he was at the club for two spells. I think it's probably six years, something like that, five, six years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, really, really, really fans loved him. He got on well and, you know, two spells, obviously. You know, look at another player, maybe someone like, um, even like Cresswell, you know, he's been around for six or seven years. And I've got the same affection for Aaron Cresswell yeah. as I had for Shaka Hislop. And it, yeah. I know, it's horses for courses, but you know what? It just, and I think that's why there's always a disconnect between players because they don't hang around as much. You know, if you get two years out of three years out of a player, you've done well nowadays. Um, it's a shame because I just think, you know, and the thing is, anyone who does show any character, they get ousted for being an arrogant prick you know basically so like jack greenish for example jack greenish is confident he's a cocky lad but he's confident and because of that he gets highlighted you know i mean yeah he dives and stuff but it's like you know what i mean it's like no one has any personality yeah well i think and i think what you raised a really good point for us i think just about modern day football which is obviously a lot of the top players have entourages like film stars so you can't even you can't even fix the touch these these people and you know the money they've earned is obviously is a lot more than the average person back when I first started watching football. But now it's gone to an even higher level where mm-hmm. it's absolutely ridiculous now. Where like even average players are earning fifty grand a week. I mean that was yeah, like for what the top players earned at, yeah. when up like around two thousand that kind of era. But even just like bang average players would barely get a game, they get fifty grand a week. It's like well, it's just it's gone the other way. Um, and yeah, I mean the only, the only person you sort of maybe hear that you'd see. And in, in Morrison's or something, is Marcelo Bielsa. So, and, that, and, that, and you know what I mean? And, that's, and it's quite sad, apart from obviously lower league players. You hardly see a Premier League player do that now. No, you don't. You don't. It's a shame. But I mean, suppose, as you said, it's modern modern football in general. I mean, you know, you look at the difference, I mean, between interaction. So, like, you know, at the at the old girl, at the bowling, um, you know, you could get your, your you know, shirt or your program autograph, you know, you put your hands for the railing. Yeah, yeah. Lucas Neal will come and sign it or you know, whoever. Nowadays, same as every modern football ground, you know, the players come in for our coaches now. So there's no opportunity really to do that. And I just think, 
Mr. Real Show obviously not, there's no opportunity now because you can't give yeah, it too weak. You know, yeah, unless yeah. you're in the red zone, I'm more, I'm only in amber when I go to a game. Um, <laughs> so you haven't got, I haven't got a fucking chance of getting anywhere near one. But um, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. But then I suppose it changes, doesn't it? So you know, where you used to be really excited to get an autograph when you was you know in the two thousand late two early two thousands, for example. Nowadays, if you get a follow from that person, from your favourite footballer on Twitter, or a re retweet or a like, that's the alter that's yeah. the sort of the modern day, isn't it? Yeah, um, definitely. Or a selfie or something, yeah. Yeah, you don't get yeah, because I mean yeah. selfies are just so like blase now, but if you got <laughs> I don't know, it's when like when when yeah, sink when Bish, for example, when Bish like likes my tweet or whatever, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so excited, you know. And it's like, you know, bless him, he doesn't yeah. realize the impact he might. But it's the same with everyone, you know. And it's it's really it's, the world's just a different different time now. And it's um, I've got to start getting off my soapbox and start living in the real world. But um, yeah, it is a shame. And doing doing these type of shows, this this little channel, you do because obviously people tell more and more stories, and they tend to be stories of the older players, and you're thinking. Oh, it's just a bygone age now. It's it's and even me, you know, I'm relatively new in new myself and me. You know, two thousand. I was the early nineties. You know, there's people who have been going since the sixties, and they talk yeah. about you know being served by Bobby Moore in his sports shop across the road from <laughs> from the ground. And it's like this is ridiculous. But you're going in Frank Lampard's his nightclub yeah. and done that. Yeah, or he's uh he had a tailor's as well, I think. And they all had stalls at Queen's Market and, um, you know, Redknapp and Lampard and stuff like that. And John Charles had a fruit stall and all these all these great stories. But it's a shame, but it's just modern life now. As you said, it's just they're yeah. uber professional now. They're on another level than they were. They're more like rock stars now than, than anything else now. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's move on and talk about this 11. Because I, I know from a fact, Bill, that you spent a lot of time on this. There's been a lot of heartache and tears and sweat has gone yeah. into this eleven, um, and I believe you got a, a twist in terms of a, a type of theme you've applied to your eleven. Yeah, I mean it's, it's similar to what some of your other guests have had, but for me, I've um, picked the best eleven that I've seen live. Um, so you know, the first game was, was two thousand. I'm a soon take older at the moment, so I've seen a number of good players. Uh, over the past 20 years some number of bad players as well like if i did a worst 11 i'll I'm sure i've had a, have a field day with that but um <laughs> picking the, i'm picking the best players up physically soon yeah all right cool nice all right let's let's start off in goal then bill who's between the sticks for the west 11. uh well it was uh, a number of uh number of uh, candidates mate i mean they could have gone for you know lucas fabianski our current goalkeeper yeah. um you know goalkeeper our first or shaq his as we've mententioned um you know david james uh, UC Ascaline, I think was pretty underrated. I think he was, you know, under Big Sam. But... Very untidy, though, wasn't he? He was. Very untidy. Yeah. His shirt, I mean, he was skinny. <laughs> and he had, I see, I'm thinking, I don't. I loved him as a keeper, but he was untidy. That was all. So, carry on, Bill. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and, uh, but I've gone for Robert Green. Yeah. Um, so, I think for me, um, you know, it's a shame that most fans seem to remember Robert Green for. You know the uh, error against America in 2010 World Cup, and you know not playing for Chelsea and all that kind of stuff. But what a phenomenal goalkeeper he was for yeah. us. Um, didn't cost a lot of money from Norwich, but um, some of the saves he made was unbelievable. And just the real calmness in goal, mm. which we haven't had since Fab since Fabianski come. Really, let me a little bit of you see, but I think certainly since Fabianski come, we haven't had a really solid number one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think 
I think, you know, that, you know, great escape 06, 07 season. I mean, Carlos Tevez rightly gets the plaudits, but, you know, there's other players like Bobby Samora and Green himself mm. um, really helped us. I mean, that unbelievable performance against Arsenal away where we won 1 0 has got to be up there, one of the best West Ham goalkeeping performances, along with obviously before. I started watching West Ham, but Luna McCloskey against Man United in '95 was it? So um, that's got to be right up there. So I think, um, mm. yeah, shot stopping was great, catching, kicking was decent. So yeah, I think um, really good goalkeeper with Robert Green. So but I think Fabianski was really, really close actually. If he Fabianski plays like he did in his first season for another couple of seasons, I'd be probably be up there and replace Green. But mm. made a couple of mistakes last season. So, but if he could get up to that. Stand as he did in his first season, I think Fabian's could probably be the best I've seen. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's a good point what you said, you know, uh, after Green, there was, you know, a little bit of not steady eddies in goal. There was, as you said, Jasker Lyon and Adrian, yeah, Randolph. I mean, they were sort of, I wouldn't say a, a safe pair of hands, you know what I mean? Mm. I, I feel safer with Fabianski between the sticks than Randolph. Although he's a good, oh. Randolph's a good keeper, I just think there's something about, he's a calming pro, you know, presence. Like yeah, I mean, you look at Fabianski, you know, you know, if he didn't get injured, potentially, potentially, should still be our manager, potentially. Yeah. That's the yeah. difference, you, you know, good goalkeepers make. Mental, isn't it? Mental when you think about just that one injury. Um, well, it's not an injury, because it was an injury and then a, a previous decision to not you know renew adrian's contracts bring in you know the the, the other two um <laughs> but but it's, it's crazy when you think of it like a sliding doors moment you know it's like you know hindsight's a great thing but it, we, we seem to do that a lot and we've always done that a lot we'll make a decision and it'll come back to bite our, us in the bum so it's always yeah, like you know, i remember yeah. when we sold tompkins and then we had like two or three center back injuries where Tompkins would have played and probably played for most yeah, of the season. Yeah, it's yeah. always the way with West Ham. Yeah, so, yeah. no, this it never just goes right for us, you know. You know, maybe, maybe Grady goes and, I don't know, hasn't, is that West Brom have a stinker? He's rubbish and he gets pushed off the ball and, you know, and that's it. And an 18 million pounds looks really good then, doesn't it? So, it's all, it's all conjecture, isn't it? It's all hindsight afterwards. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, Rob Green's a great shout. And I love I love keepers who don't take themselves, or players in general, who don't take themselves too seriously. And Green is one of them, you know, just yeah, very well, unusual I, person as well, yeah, by yeah, all yeah. accounts. Yeah, and I remember a lot of times where, you know, he wasn't even near the England squad, even though he was one of better keepers at that time. And we'd sarcastically cheer, you know, England's number six. And he'd actually, he'd hold up his, hold up his fingers to go England's number six like that. He, he sort of, Agreed with us, and eventually, obviously, got his chance. Yeah. And he had him stitch in his glove, didn't he? He actually had stitching. Yeah, yeah. stitch ones. That's it. I'd say it's brilliant. Right, okay. Green A's in. Um, you go for the team as you want to, Bill. All right. Well, I'll start off with the fullbacks, mate. So I'll sure. start with the right back. I think in general, this era, I think the fullbacks. I think we had some solid and solid defenders, um, but yeah. none that are really outstanding. I think maybe for a season or two, but nothing over. A, yeah. A long period of time, like you know, a lot of fans have been on like X, Dave, Nicky Hawkins, a few others have picked Julian Dix. I can't pick him, unfortunately. Yes, I can't course, pick yeah. Tim Breaker either. You know, those kind of like real, um, sort of mainstays of the side. We haven't really had that in this era, mm. um, so I've had to really chop and change uh, these players a lot. So, but I've made my decision now. So, um, right back. So, um, 
I, I was thinking of Thomas Brepka. Was thinking about him. Yeah. Um, you know, especially that season we um, 0506 season um, when he was changed to a fullback. Um, I, I think as a centre half, if it was all there, but right back under the party, I think he was pretty good. He was close to getting in. I think Glenn Johnson. Um, you know, when we got relegated, I think he played well for us, but mm. he didn't play enough games for me to say he's the best I've seen. Um, I think Cole Jenkinson as well for a couple of seasons. Yeah, job, yeah. um, potentially as well. I mean, Lucas Neal, I think was a decent player. I think a decent captain by all accounts. But the best player um, or best right back I've seen um, could say a one season wonder. Um, he gets picked a fair amount. Um, Sebastian Schemmel. Yeah. Um, he won, you know, hand of the year in 2002. Um, I think it cost a lot of money from a Mets, was it? One of the French yeah, sides. Yeah, um, the, he got scouted, I think, wasn't it? The uh, Inter Tota Cup or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I um, yeah, just remember his marauding runs down the right hand side. He had a good relationship with Trevor Sinclair. Um, and I think, yeah, just the boys, this sort of all action, sort of more of a complete right back, really, which, um, you know, I'd love to have someone like that now. Obviously, the season afterwards didn't play very well, like a lot of players, hence why we got relegated. But I think. Just in terms of the, the best season, like in terms of a right back, he, he's been by far the best I've seen. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I, the other players I mentioned were pretty good, but I think he, in terms of a single season, I think he's by far the best we've seen. Yeah, and I mean, it'd be funny to cut, be a foreign based player and then also to be a right back and then to be hammer of the year that season. Yeah. That, that just shows you. And you're right. I think. I think it sort of coincided. I think he cut his hair, didn't he? I think he cut his hair in the summer because he had the headband. And no, I think in the yeah. summer he cut his hair, and a bit like Samson, just lost all of his footballing abilities. He just like was a completely different player. And then he got yeah. sort of fucked off to Portsmouth, I think, didn't he, with Harry? Yeah, especially that season as well, where we finished seventh, and then we yeah. had a number of players who scored goals and stuff. But our right back gets the hammer of the air, and we finished yeah. seventh. So I think that goes to show how brilliant it was that season. Yeah, totally agree. Right, Seb's in. Uh, and now, now he sort of now he owns a he owns a West Ham bar, doesn't he? In, in um, Luxembourg, <laughs> it's called Upton <laughs> Park. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Upton Park, and he, I will go one day. Um, right, okay. Uh, let's go the other side. Go left back then. Who've got left back then? Yeah, there's similar similar thing, mate. I mean, we've had some good right backs. We've played well for a season or two. I mean, Nigel Winterburn, I considered. Yeah. Um, I thought he was well past his best, but I think he was still a good defender for us. Paul Konchesky, again, like. Mm. 506 season that his relationship with Matty Everton obviously scored in the cup final yeah. 2006. Um, I think if Aaron Cresswell played um, the last couple of seasons, how he started for West Ham, I think he'd probably be the best I've seen. But ever since we moved to London Stadium, he just hasn't been the same player after mm-hmm. his injury, so I can't pick him. Um, who else? Uh, George McCartney, very underrated player, cup spells for us, but um, he was. The left back in my first four season as Cintec LD one hammer in the end two thousand and one. It's Stuart Pierce. Um, I think you know um, again you know a bit like Winterburn who's a bit past his best, but still you know um, very good player, very determined, good tackler. You know scored against um, Tottenham in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Yeah. It was actually chucking it down. We lost unfortunately, but you know yeah um, we didn't have a particularly great season. That, that year, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Red Naps last season, wasn't it? And then, um, you know, I think we only finished 15th or something like that, 14th, 15th. Um, but yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was our best player that season, so yeah, he was. It was only, only he played for, I think he broke his leg, didn't he, when he joined? So, um, 
to appear. So this time was his final season with Biscuit Hammer of the Year. I think that's um, a good effort. So he's, he's the best I've seen. But those two players, I've said, Shermon Pierce, you know, it shows we haven't had a, a particularly amazing fullback since since then, especially in this last decade. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true, unfortunately. But I mean, we've, what I liked about Piercy was he was, and it was probably that sort of, we can't really, we'll be able to do it now. And I think Zabaleta proves it really. You know, you could get, not get away with, but you could put a 37 year old in, a 36 year old at left back in sort of that era because he never got sort of beaten for pace. You know, there wasn't that really no. sort of, now the pace of the Premier League is so rapid that, you know, someone like Zabaleta just got found out last year. Yeah. And yeah, and even, so... even, even Cresswell, who's, who's yeah. he gets, he's, he's got found out. So, yeah, it just shows how, um, it's just how, how quick the game's got. It gets quicker every season. Yeah, it's mental. And, you know, so much so that's, you know, obviously they decided to put, you know, when we played Liverpool, wasn't it? They, they put Ngakir in, you know, to make his debut in against yeah. Liverpool. But it was just, it's just the nature of the, you know, the, the game now that the fullbacks are in essence auxiliary wingers really it's um and they have to have the pace of a winger to to keep up um well if you look like Fredjo it's not being harsh or anything but if he didn't have any pace I don't think he'd be anywhere near the Premier League no the no, show shows obviously how speed how, how important it is yeah yeah no I totally agree right psycho is in obviously psycho mark two so the original psycho is yeah David cross as I keep getting told right okay <laughs> uh center off center back so we're gonna have Bill uh, well, I had a lot of options for this. I mean, we've had yeah. some fantastic centre-backs over the years. So the, the first one that's so obvious, this one, um, shame I couldn't see him a bit longer live. I did for Leeds and May United, but um, Rio Ferdinand, yeah. um, I think, you know, everyone raves about him, and rightly so. Um, just made defending look so easy. He was comfortable mm. for his positional plays, tackling, heading. Um, at, like I mentioned about Rob Green, the real calmness. Um, at the back, um, and it's not a surprise the career he had, as I say, with Leeds and, and Man United and, and England as well. So, um, yeah, as I say, couldn't, it's just a shame, you know, we sold him probably season too early. Um, but you know, 18 million at, at that time was a lot of money, a lot of money. So, um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, just uh, it's a shame we couldn't see him a bit longer in the West Hampshire, but yeah, fa- absolutely fantastic player. Yeah, I totally agree. You, you, you're right. I mean, it's that era, wasn't it, where I think we. We sold players a season too early, you know, and it's like, you know, Rio a season too early. Joe, I think we sold too early. Glenn, we sold too early. Maybe not Lampard, obviously Carrick. If we had, we could get one more season. I mean, he gave us one extra season. So, you know, he said that he'd stay in the championship for one season. Unfortunately, we didn't go up, but it was our own fault. But, you know, we just had yeah. to be right. It's, we did tend to try to sell, you know, um, in hindsight, you know, with with the with current issues at the moment, look how much we sold Joe Cole for. Oh, yeah, they're definitely, yeah, yeah. Well, and Glenn mentioned. Johnson, yeah, you know, six million pounds. You can mention every player we sold in two thousand three. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Do you know what I mean? So but, you look yeah. at things, and you go, mm, eighteen million pound ain't so bad. You know, when you think about it in hindsight, you know, that's, that's yeah. my view. That's my view, but it is what it is. Uh, okay, Rio's in. Uh, who's really going to partner in the centre-back positions? Well, again, this is really difficult. Um, again, we've had some really good centre-backs mm. over the last sort of 20 years. I mean, you think of his brother, Anton Ferdinand. Um, I think, you know, when we got promoted, I think his partnership with Elliot Ward was really crucial. Yeah, um, and then, you know, when our first season back, him and Danny Gavadon, again, who, who I would have considered. 
Um, I think they're you know both put on a good partnership. Um, you know, the Ginger Pele, G- James Collins. I was, if I was picking the most popular eleven that fans, they'd definitely be in without shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, two spells of us was great, some great service to us. Um, Winston Reid as well. Um, you know, it's just such a shame about Winston Reid about the injuries, but just got the last last goal at Upton Park, yeah. and um, you know, he was linked with Arsenal for a bit, a bit of time. He was one of the better centre backs in in the Premier League for. A couple of seasons, but I've gone for um, I've actually gone for a left footer, um, Russ. Something that actually doesn't get mentioned that much by West Ham fans, even though he was you know England, England international. I've gone for Matt Upson. Um, so I think you know, when, when he when he signed for us, he was unfortunately he was injured. Um, but you know, that 07 08 season, I think him and Anil Fernand were. You know, struck up a really good partnership, and he, he scored, um, you know, that famous winner, um, against May United when we were 2 1 down. Him and Anton both scored, ups and getting the winner when we beat that unbelievable May United team that won the won the Premier League and the Champions League in 2008. So, um, yeah, I think it goes a bit under, under the radar a little bit, Matt Ups, mm. you know, in terms of his heading and his general ability and um, positional centre defending. Yeah, I think uh, he's probably the best I've seen alongside Rio but the other ones easily could have got in I think, yeah. I think Matty Upson just slightly goes slightly better I'd say yeah yeah it's interesting how people take different perspectives of different players isn't it I think Upson was one of those players who when he was on his game he was brilliant wasn't he and then when he wasn't he was awful yeah. like most rest, most players to be honest but yeah. he just yeah. he never just got a good rub of the green I don't think you know and also you know because he you know I just think also, you know, it was always, and, the, and I think everyone thinks people don't necessarily, people see people's career at the end, they don't necessarily see it throughout. And I think you're right, that 07 08 yeah. season, he was really good for us. And then yeah. obviously, then he wasn't so good. And, you know, Scott was, everyone thought Parker was the captain, it was Matthew Upson was the captain. And, yeah, and, just, yeah. and I just think he just shrunk a little bit into the background. But, you know, when he was on these game, he was he was brilliant. He was a good yeah, defender. But I was quite lucky because I didn't really watch a, a lot of the um, relegation season under Avram Grant live. I went, went to the old game, so I didn't really see ups and a few other players. But it, I mean, Gabidon went down after his injuries, and yeah. say Winston Reid. So I'm only basing it on a couple of seasons for these players. It just shows obviously how inconsistent we've been over the past twenty years. Very true. All right, we've got Matthew Upson in. Uh, let's go into midfield. Then you go through the midfield as you want to, Bill. All right, I'll go from the right um, as before. Okay. So, um, you know, right midfield, I think, you know, Yossi Benyun was very close to going mm-hmm. in the team. Um, again, mentioned the 05 06 season, it was fantastic for us. Um, you know, Craig scored a number of goals, assists, etc. And another one from that 07 08 season, Nobby Solano. He only spent, spent one season with us, but many of kicks and, you know, his assists and so on. I think, even though he been an established Premier League player was still to get another good season out of him. I thought mm. we'd done well to get to get him. And um, but um it was a very popular choice I guess you've had on recently, Trevor Sinclair. He's my yes, choice. Um you know a number of you know number of spectacular goals and you know obviously the crop the famous cross for the Cameo's goal against uh, Wimbledon um yeah just it really gave us all for for the club even though he's like he's you know, born and raised in, in the north, he felt like a an East Londoner, even though he isn't. But he, he, Johnny, he just sort of played for the badge and you know tried his artist and you know it was it was a good player. You know, he played for England obviously in two thousand two World Cup and and even he, you know, I went to the West Away pre match event where he was a guest the other season and 
even admitted that he wasn't at his best when we got relegated. But even so, he scored, I think he scored like eight league goals, which was the most he scored in a, in a season for West Ham. So even if he said it wasn't his best season, he still contributed. And he was one of the reasons why we, in the end, nearly stayed up. Um, and just, yeah, I think he was just a really, um, just a really, really good player. Yeah, no, I agree. And the only thing is, when he signed for us, he scored seven in fourteen. So, <laughs> and so yeah. you know, that's that's why he always thinks afterwards because he had such a prolific. You know, I mean, he scored two in his in his debut as well. But um, no, I know what you mean about Trev about you know not you know not being from around here, but play for the badge, and he clearly loved his time at West Ham. You know, when he talks yeah. about it, obviously extremely honoured you know to, to, to have interviewed him recently and um and yeah no he's just just loved his time there he's, yeah, he said technically he thought he played better when he was at qpr but he enjoyed his football the most at west ham and you you got a sense yeah. of that you know we resurrected his career really and again we talk about we talk, we talk about players going cheap you know, we bought him for two point seven million pounds in you know combined, you know, yeah. two point three for cash plus Dowie and Keith Rowland. Not a bad deal, you know, so it's like yeah, I think we got the better of that deal. I think. I think we got yeah, I think we did yeah. we stuffed QPR on that one. But um yeah, great man and just loves the club. And as you said, he was, he just gave his all, didn't he? I mean he played right wing back, left wing, right wing and up front for West Ham and every position he'd give his all. You know, and, and that's what I mean. Good players can just do that. Good players can play wherever they're put. You know, I hate players who, you know, obviously we, in recent times, we've bought players who play a position and then we play them out of position. But a good player should be able to good play in any ball. position. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, unless yeah. Antonio, he has a go wherever you put him, you know. <laughs> he'll yeah, have yeah. a go. He'll have a go. You know, when he played right yeah. back under Billich, you know, he had a go. Um, and, and, you know, actually kept recognised right backs out of the team because he was doing a good job, you know, and um and that's what you should do. Any any you know good player should be able to play in any position regardless of whether yeah. you play well in the front three or you know, you should just be able to just be a good player, you know what I mean? But um, obviously your preferences of how you play, but um Trev was just immense wherever he played, always gave his all. Yeah, okay, tricky Trev's in. Uh let's go to the other wing. Who got the other wing then Bill? Well this this was such an easy decision this was so um you know Dimitri Pio. Um, you know, such an obvious choice, but, but I think it was probably the first name on the team sheet. It was so obvious. Um, yeah. You know, I think it will be a while before um, you know we get a player who is generally one of the, the better players in his position um, for for at least one season. Um, you know, I think it was twenty sixteen. He um, if it was that joint seventeenth was in the Ballon d'Or. I think, like that, yeah, I, think, I think it'll be a while before we get a player that's anywhere near as good as that. <laughs> um, thing, you know, obviously the Last season, Upton Park was just absolutely sensational. Like, was, yeah. um, you know, the goals he scored, you know, the assist, his dribbling, um, you know, taking on players, just, just absolutely unbelievable. Technically incredible as well. Um, and and the thing about what make what makes good players from great players is they how they make other players play better. Mm. Look at Mark Noble played brilliantly that season. Manuel Lanzini yeah, scored a lot of goals. So. You know, it's not just him himself. The, the effect he had on the, on the team as well was absolutely immense. And obviously, you know, we finished seventh that season, an unbelievable season. And, and it's such a shame how it ended with him because if he stayed, in the, you know, for the second season, if he'd left in the summer and spent two full seasons, he'd probably be lauded talked about to this day. But there's always that little asterisk against him. A bit like Marco Nautic as well. Yeah, you're right. And it's like, but I mean, you know, 
you know, obviously we after the Euros, there was always talk of, wasn't it, like, you know, Real Madrid wanting to come in for him. And if we'd sold him then for 60, 50 million or whatever, you know, he would have still been revered as this sort of like oh, yeah. legend. Yeah. But because, you know, another three, four months down the line and it went a bit sour, yeah. He, yeah. he tainted his record. But say that, he's still like one of the most picked players, despite the fact that everyone goes, oh, people are going to hate me, but I'm going to pick Pyatt. Yeah, Everybody he picks him. He's like... He, he's he like not pick unless the other team like, plays, you know, if someone's in the eighties, like Anne Devonshire. Obviously sure, I can't yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in terms of, how not pick him based on the ability alone? Exactly. It's crazy, but you know, and he, even at London Stadium, he wasn't at, at top form, but still, we we relied on him so much. If he didn't do anything, we wouldn't score a goal. Yeah, I mean that he scored that that goal against Middlesbrough from the halfway line, where he dribbled past essentially the old team. That's got to be one of the best goals I've seen live. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, it's a shame how it ended up with him, but yeah, just um, just just what what a player. Yeah, and we we wouldn't have had that season if it wasn't that season at the bowling if it wasn't for him. Did, oh, did you, if that, we didn't that, have him, could you imagine we would have probably ended up about thirteenth, fourteenth, I reckon. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. And so yeah. he, he gave us that, if anything. But um, right, let's move into central midfield then. Bill, who we got? Yeah, I mean uh, a number of players could have picked for this. Um, any of these, any combination of these players, I would have been happy with. Um, you know. You know, our current players, you know, Declan Rice easily could have gone in. Um, you know, Mark Noble, um, you know, Scotty Parker, um, Steve, you know, even Steve Lomer <laughs> so early on in the early 2000s. But uh, the first name I've gone for is Michael Carrick. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, you know, his range of passes is, is absolutely unreal. You know, right foot, and he equally as proficient with his left foot, um, you know, just control games for us. You know, his positional players, the sort of the more deep line playmaker was really good as well. Um and you know, you obviously saw the crew he had at Spurs and then May United and it even so he goes really under the radar. It's crazy. Yes, yeah. Um and even for the national team, I think he only played one knockout game for England in the in the Euros and World Cup. Absolutely he'd be walking to our team now. It's it, you know, it's it's ridiculous. So um yeah, and he's got he scored um one of my favourite goals um, early on was against uh, it's Chelsea under the lights. We beat them two one um, in two thousand one, two thousand two, um, and yeah, and as we mentioned, he stayed when we got relegated, and you know, I think he was in the PFA like first division or championship team of the year as well. So he still had, to, you know, he didn't just go through the motions. He played really well for that season, um, and if um, yeah, as you say, if, if we would have sta- um, you know got promoted, beat Palace. I think he could have stayed with us for another season or two, but you know, I think he's such a good player. Um, and, that's and you're right; he's one of those players who get he does get sort of thrown out in the wash a little bit. Um, you know, particularly, I mean, he just seemed. But in every team he's gone to and left, they've never been able to replace him. So arguably, we've no. never been able to replace him. Neither of Tottenham, neither of Man United, and no. that shows. That shows you what a good player he is, because you know you don't know what you've got until it's gone, and that's so true of Michael Carrick. Yeah, um, he made football as I mentioned about Rio. He just made made the game of football look so yeah, easy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just you know, just not not lackadaisical, but just like such a, again another cut this calmness with load mm. players around him. Just like just pick a ball, you know, fifty yards, and you know, right right to someone's toe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, yeah, I think um, he was he was such an obvious pick for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, Carrick's in. 
who's going to partner him in that midfield then? Um, well, this is someone that, um, you know, another academy graduate. Um, we played all across midfield, played second striker, but I had to, I had to put him in, in my midfield, um, Joe Cole. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, one of the most naturally gifted players I've ever seen. Um, you know, just got you one of the rare players you could say where you, when you got the ball, you didn't know what was going to happen. It was just mm. uh, got you on the edge of your, your seat. Play. It was a bit like not FIFA Street, that kind of thing, just full of tricks. And, you know, I think um, that sort of went away when he joined Chelsea, but his end product possibly was better. So, you know, you could say it worked out for him, albeit his flair went a little bit, but. Um, yeah, just you know, he's passing his goals, he scored, his trickery, um, and I said the, the sheer excitement when he got the ball, when he you know, cared passionately about the club, was captain when we were relegated, and you know, it was good that he came back for a second spell as well. It's a shame that mm. obviously we got relegated, and if he never played for the club again, but he come back, obviously not as good, but still putting some steady performances. So I think. Um, yeah, I think he, he, he had to go on the team, even though he's not a natural centre midfielder. I had to put him in. Yeah, but I think with Joe, I think you're right. It's it's great how he bookended his career up with us. I think because I think you know it, by his own admission, he had unfinished business when he you know and he wanted to come back and you know his family are massive fans and he's you know he was just you could see what it meant to him going going back to West Ham and what it yeah. meant to us as fans as well because you know we saw this little boy grow I mean people knew about him since he was like 12 you know at West Ham you know it's meant to yeah. amount of pressure on his on his uh, shoulders and then to sort of go away and have this fantastic career and then come back and sort of finish it at Upton Park was 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 special and you know I think everyone respects him for doing that because it's yeah, just, yeah um yeah he was a lovely bloke right okay strikers then Bill who we got um, well, I'll go uh, first off with uh, my favourite player, and he gets picked a heck of a lot, and rightly so, Paulo Di Canio. Yeah. Um, you know, um, just uh, what what can you say about the man? I mean, um, you know, obviously being being a, an Italian, a, a foreign player, but, you know, just got West Ham immediately. Um, you know, obviously real fans' favourite, cult hero, everything, all of the above. Um, not just the, the goals he scored and... You know, but he's just trickery, he's dribbling, he's doing that chop, didn't he? Which no one could really, what was coming. There's still, you know, and it wasn't best with pace, but he would just glide past people yeah. and leave them, leave them a bit like Robbie Keane, would just leave them dead, even though mm. we're not, they're not the quickest players. Um, and yeah, just real, obviously real passion for you know, football and um, for, for West Ham as well. And you again one of those players where you just didn't know what, what was going to happen and he was he was worth like the entrance fee worth you seen ticket money he, he, he was worth it just just to watch him yeah yeah definitely he, he was it was just box office wasn't he? he really really was um and he was just yeah i mean you were just excited weren't you same as black pyre every time pyre had the ball you would have this sense of excitement every time the canyon had the ball you yeah. had this sense of excitement sort of when you just didn't know what was going to happen and and you know, and I mean, we talk about that Bradford City game, and I was watching it again the other day, yeah. and how and how we sort of sat, you know, sat on the sidelines, and then yeah. everyone started chanting the song, and it was almost like he was energized, you know. It's like yeah. I'll do it. I'll do Frank Lampard over the penalty as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play. You know, it's like you know, just these energy levels, and um, it was just oh, just such a lovely bloke, and he, you know, I mean, you know, he's crazy, and I think all West Ham. Fans love a bit of crazy in their players. Oh, yeah, love yeah. a bit of, you know, and that's why I think for me, 
you know, people ask, you know, best players. And obviously for me, Payet was technically the best player I've ever seen. But Di Canio was the best player because I've got yeah, this little pie exactly. chart in my head where you have like technical ability, passion, unpredictability. Yeah. And that's what you need to be a perfect player at West Ham. And yeah, he had yeah. it all. He had it all. Yeah, and in his finishing, for, for essentially, he wasn't even a number nine for a, a number 10, a second striker. His goal scoring record was pretty good. If, if yeah. you're a number 10 now, you're not expected to score a lot of goals. But at no. the time, yeah, I mean, he scored a, a heck of a lot of goals. Like, obviously, yeah. Bergkamp being another one as well. So, yeah, yeah. just, yeah, yeah, technically excellent and, yeah, the passion, as we've said. So, such an obvious pick for, for a striker. Yeah. Uh, but set the, his partner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.